talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of More Like the Worst Wing, our podcast where we take a look at Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a modern-day leftist perspective. I'm Dave. And I'm Stu. And we are here with Season 2, Episode 9? 10? <laughs> Who cares? It's called Galileo, fuckers. <laughs> and, I believe uh, it's we op- And we open talking about the eponymous Galileo, which is a probe uh, that is going to Mars to, uh, to search for signs of water, uh, apparently. And is about, is going to land today, so the White House is all um, getting prepped to have a simultaneous broadcast of the president across elementary school classrooms nationwide, where he will uh, be taking questions from children. Hooray! Yeah, so this this gives Bartlett an excuse to show off how much of a technocratic trivia fucking nerd he is, uh, where he just he starts listing off trivia facts about Mars, uh, like its age and everything. And meanwhile, CJ's saying, like, uh, Mr. President, no one likes a know-it-all. Please let the experts <laughs> answer the questions and don't try to show off so damn much, uh, which, to which he responds by uh, quoting the temperature range of Mars of Mars, which she corrects him on, and he goes, no, I calculated it to Celsius in my head already. <laughs> Thanks, asshole. It's, Th- it's cool. Th- thanks for proving my point, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can also divide by five-ninths and subtract 32. Like, thanks, I, I appreciate but the, it. But the six-year-olds watching cannot, so yeah. maybe... <laughs> Maybe let the scientists talk. You, you have truly uh, owned those six-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of truly owned, Sam gets a little Duncan on the NASA <laughs> writer, uh, who's who apparently is just totally shit, awful, garbage, dog shit writer. Well, uh, who <laughs> he spends a lot of time do like they they have this extended repartee where it's like, oh well, you know, it's it's cute that your your little PR guy over here wrote this stuff, but I'm <laughs> Sam. Mm. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's just, it's smug as hell, and it's like, alright then. Uh, so so this is our, our cold open, is just dealing with this. Uh, then we get into the meat of the episode itself, and this is one of these episodes that's sort of like a slice of life, in like a day in the life kind of episode, where we just see a day play out in the White House, and nothing too major happens. You know, there's a couple bigger plot lines, but it's not like, the gay marriage episode that's basically all focused about gay marriage there's no one issue driving this episode yeah and there's way too many issues that sort of come up to really focus on any of them you know there's a right the the thing that ties i think most closely through the whole episode is the stamp thing and that's like and maybe the russia thing yeah and maybe the russia thing and that's like yeah that that's all of and they're both pretty minor exactly and they're all all sort of they're, they're played as comedic pieces right yeah, even the Russia thing, which is the most serious and involves, like, you know, Pentagon briefings and shit like that, mm-hmm. is still ultimately kind of played off pretty lightheartedly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's just kind of hop into it. So we start off with, uh, um, the first thing is that CJ is getting, like, her daily morning briefing kind of thing, and one of the things is the green bean thing. And this I kind of actually want to unpack a bit. So, uh, the president is, or actually, sorry, not even the president. Charlie is taking some reporters through a tour of the kitchen. Let me just lay this plot out chronologically. (laughs) 
uh, because the episode kind of does it in a non-linear order. But Charlie is taking reporters through the kitchen. They ask him, hey, what are the president's favorite and least favorite foods? And he goes, oh, the president likes steak, lobster, spaghetti, ice cream, and he doesn't like green beans. Uh, and, and that was it. And apparently this has become an issue where <laughs> in Oregon, uh, an Oregon newspaper picked it up in his broadcasting story of, like, President hates green beans. And apparently Oregon has a lot of green bean farmers, and now they think it's an electoral issue. Ugh. And it's just the most minor non-story. And to be fair, CJ does get the right take first, where Toby brings it up to her, and she's like, that's not a story, Toby. Fuck off. <laughs> and, and Toby's like, yeah, come back to me in three hours. It's going to be a story. And of course, Toby ends up being right, and it does become a minor story. But ultimately, the resolution is that it's not a story. And at the end of the episode, CJ goes, you know what? Fuck it. You don't like green beans. Big whoop. We're not going to lose Oregon because of it. <laughs> well, and this is also, it's it's sort of the entree to what I've actually, I, I think might be sort of the overarching theme here is that, like, the, their point is trying to be that these minutiae of issues could end up being serious, but it's easy enough to also just, talk, like, throw them by the wayside because the stamp thing right. also comes up in the same fashion and it, yeah i mean are we if we want to talk yeah break it break it down yeah let's, let's talk about the stamp thing so basically they are considering releasing a commemorative stamp <laughs> mm-hmm. um from you know the postal service and they would like to honor the postmaster general from i don't know some time period right mm-hmm. and they have qualms about this because they think it will hurt them in the public regard, because this particular postmaster general was from Puerto Rico and advocated for Puerto Rican statehood. Right. So. Yeah, and they think this is going to be a giant wedge issue that will (laughs) split the country. And this is, what's funny is that this is actually relevant here today in 2019. and We get a lot of relevant in 2019 (laughs) issues in this episode, like Russia. And so, oddly enough, there is a scene where they're talking about this goddamn stamp, and Donna, who is, as usual, played as sort of like the the simpleton, down-home, idealistic, idealistic, pie-in-the-sky, starry-eyed person, um, brings up the fact that (laughs) Puerto Rico is... A U.S. colony, basically. Right. And they are not represented in our government, but we dictate the government of the island. Yeah, and, you know, and that we make them sign up for, like, the selective service, but they can't vote for the president. And she raises all these excellent points about, like, man, this sure is fucked how we treat Puerto Rico, yo. And and this is in the framework of like this dis, this utterly banal decision about a right. face completely to put on a meaningless stamp. symbolic decision about a commemorative stamp of all things. We're not even talking about the actual issue of Puerto Rico statehood. That never gets discussed. No, or it's just, you know, U.S. imperialism or colonialism. Right. No, no, no. It's just about uh, are we going to offend too many people if we pick the wrong stamp topic? Yeah, and it comes around at the end, which CJ gets this bit about green beans being like. You know what? Who cares about green beans? And then also, right. like, you know what? We can we can portray someone and honor his memory without explicitly endorsing his politics. Right. You know, like, very few people are, are all good, uh, and very few people are all bad. And 
honoring anyone is not an endorsement of every single thing they've ever said. And but, it's but also who cares? Well, yeah, like the 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 significance <laughs> of this particular issue belies what could theoretically be a nuanced thing. If the right. if the man we're honoring with a stamp wanted to like genocide Muslims, right? Then yeah, that might be bad. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, but and I think. It's this weird, God, again, I feel like I'm floating in this bizarre limbo with this quote-unquote resolution of these things because CJ at once says that, like, uh, the president's preference for asparagus over green beans should not matter. And frankly, people can make the distinction of it mattering versus honoring a man's contribution without endorsing his politics. Those two things actually do operate at a different degree in my brain. So I mm-hmm. I come away from this having no fucking clue what the tr- what the show is trying to say. Yeah, yeah. There, there's not. This episode is disjointed in many ways. There's in that there's no overarching plot or issue to talk about, and there's no overarching message really either. Uh, the 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 sort of big conclusion that the president makes at the end is like oh i sure made a snap judgment judging this classical music guy and i ended up being wrong because he was real good and like that's like the theme of the episode or something (laughs) i don't fucking get it i can't i can't tie any of this together in a way that that has a coherent set of like thoughts about these issues and for all we know like the writers just didn't like yeah okay yeah, it's a, it's it's an interesting episode to to unpack. So let's let's unpack it a little more. Let me take a quick break here, okay. and then we'll uh, we'll get into more bits here. Uh, so let let's hop into. I guess we can call this sort of the main issue of the episode, in that it it has the highest stakes yeah, compared to everything it's else. It's explicitly geopolitical. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's an explosion in a Russian uh, quote unquote oil refinery. Uh, giant air quotes because it's actually a Russian missile missile silo, uh, and the U.S. gets word of it, and then so they they reach out to she's the Russian ambassador, right? Yes, she is the this Russian woman. ambassador. Yep. Yes, she is. Yeah, she's. So they reach out to the Russian ambassador to be like, uh, what the fuck? What's this explosion in a missile silo? What's going on? Do you need help? Do you you know? Do you want to tell us something? What what's up? And you know, Russia of course plays its cards clo- very close to the vest and is like, it is oil refinery explosion. It is not problem. Stop asking about it. Yeah. Uh. So and they start like the. It's very menacing out the gate because they have to sort of. It's keep, very cold war. It's very cold. Like they have to, and they have to keep it away, the knowledge away from the public because, like you know, it's. It might drop the DefCon rating or, or cause yeah. some sort of panic, and it's just it is very. It's again, this is an artifact of like the brief kind of weird political sphere post Cold War, where pre nine eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Where this relationship was dictated not only by like rampant neoliberal capitalism just destroying russia um but also like this you know the the glasnost perestroika like era leading up to not great (laughs) things eventually and so there's this thing where it's like we we are good faith theoretically asking if there's a problem but right, we, but not but really. Not really, and we both still have to look, sort of pretend around this and posture. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, 
Exactly. So th- this plays out first at the White House, and then uh, so another subplot we have to drop in. Like we said, this episode God, really it goes is all over the place. It really does. So the president has a big plan of like, oh, I'm going to kick off early tonight and read these books about Mars because he's all excited about the Galileo probe still. Because Bartlett's a big space nerd, which I can actually relate hey, I'm to. I'm a big as space I'm a giant, nerd. <laughs> I fucking love space. Fun space is space. awesome. Fun NASA again. Let's fucking do more space shit. Goddamn. Uh, so yeah, space owns. Bartlett and I are 100% agreed upon this. <laughs> so he wants to read his Mars books and like books about Galileo and shit like that. And uh, Leo comes in and goes, no, 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 you cannot have a nice night off. You have to go to the symphony with the uh, Iceland ambassador, another ambassador, I believe. Apparently he snubbed uh, the whoever the representative is of the country mm-hmm. earlier in the week. And so as like a mea culpa, he's dedicating yes. some time to go see the Reykjavik symphony perform at Kennedy Correct. Center, which is cool. It's fine. Correct. Um, so we actually it's nice because we do get, you know. Uh, and actually, the episode spends a lot of time on the trip from the White House to the Candy Center. Uh, of We get the, the motorcade, we get them walking in through the back, we get, like, a lot like of setup. joking about classical music in the car, yeah. and... Yeah, like, it's not classical if the guy just finished it this afternoon, ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> Bartlett gets to be a snobby as shit about music uh, in this episode. So anyway... At the Reykjavik orchestra thing is where we get like sort of uh, the 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 second act of the Russia subplot, where Sam has to interrupt the president in his balcony and be like, "Hey, we found out that they were draining hydrogen from the rocket when it exploded, and the music gets super serious, and like the camera zooms in close, so we understand this is a thing of significance." But they don't actually explain what draining the hydrogen fucking means. When I was when I was taking notes in real time, I was like, "Wow, this seems ominous." But I don't fucking know what it means. Are we? And what I hear, it's like, are we going this direction again, where the show presumes its viewers just have this knowledge on board that this is going to be particularly meaningful? That or you know, it's the setup to an explainer down the road. Right, but it's a weird setup payoff thing because it's not like a big mystery. Because then they end up just explaining it with with the Russian ambassador in what I'll call the third act of the Russia subplot, where they confront her and be like, "Hey, so they were draining this hydrogen because dot dot dot, they were gonna steal the warhead." <gasps> and it's and like, the implication being that they don't have the um, they they don't have your their shit on lockdown. Yeah, like their 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 institutions are crumbling to the point where they can't arguably secure they can't their secure own their nuclear, nuclear arsenal. arsenal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's the implication here. And they and basically Bartlett's solution to this whole fiasco is just to kind of go off on the Russian ambassador and be like, "Are you insane? You know, why didn't you ask for our help right away?" blah blah blah, which like, "Oh yeah, during this fucking Cold War tension period, I wonder why they didn't run to the red phone and call you right up to tell <laughs> to tell you that oops, someone tried to steal one of our nukes." Like, yeah, the last time we asked the United States to help, like you literally demolished our economy. We lost our <laughs> our, our grown men lost like 17 years of life expectancy the last time but hey thanks for the crystal meth and blue jeans (laughs) (laughs) outstanding you know so it's (laughs) so and then i want to play a clip here of like you know so he kind of just goes off on her 
and then he says this. I really don't know from where you guys get the nerve. From a long, hard winter, Mr. President. And wow, I like love Russia now. Like, what a perfect response! <laughs> how, how, how did you? How did you just strike at my heart in one simple line here? Like, uh, like the internationale just started yeah. playing in my brain <laughs> the second she said that, and then I, and I started marching to. Uh, the, she's gonna march out <laughs> to the Volga Boatman or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So that that kind of that wraps up the Russia plot line. Um. Well, like nothing, and nothing ends up like it's nothing, nothing happens. happens. Yeah, they, nothing happens. It's just like okay, well, that sucks. Sucks for them. I guess their nuclear arsenal has one less. You know, well, they didn't even steal the nuke, but you know, like uh oh, it, it's under threat. That's bad for Russia, I guess. Yeah, and the end. <laughs> it's it's sort of framed again. It's it's doing this thing where these issues are sort of in a lane, but ne'er the two shall touch. Where actually towards the end of the ep- like in the middle of the episode the thing that the president is actually upset about is that they lose contact with the galileo probe mm-hmm. so it's it's there's this parallel of like our our advanced technology is is failing and mm-hmm. you know this is supposed to be a representation you know for good or ill of like the the advancement of our society here mm-hmm. and yet it just sort of occurs in a vacuum um, right. And, and the, the very final end of the episode is, <laughs> it's like President Bartlett's like urging his satellite son to call home <laughs> from Mars. Yeah. Like, yeah. I raised you right, boy. <laughs> like, and he's, I did it. I just like the president <laughs> dad perfect. thing always yeah. just, it comes because he, he has this just aura of, patriarchal like patrimony shit around him with everything right. it touches everything yeah. he does yeah like even in the beginning when he's doing the trivia thing that's like your dad correcting you when you're a little kid about like basic facts and shit you yeah, know it's like it's, aren't it's you the same vibe like if you were if you were yeah. an adult like me you would know that you know i don't know 27 degrees celsius is 84 degrees fahrenheit bitch Bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it just it it keeps it keeps coming. Now let's out. go out to let's go out to the basketball hoop so I can dunk on you, you <laughs> three foot nothing child. And and it it even sort of and again it's just so incongruous because it tends to soften it. They deliberately soften it because we have the denouement after the classical music performance. Which for <laughs> for first of all. One thing that really made me laugh out loud watching this was there is a brief shot inside of the presidential loge or whatever, like inside mm-hmm. the box mm-hmm. at Kennedy Center, and you can hear two and a half seconds of music, and it's just like an oboe going, work, 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 It's like, okay. It's the experimental part yeah, of the exactly. show. It's like, know? oh, we're definitely selling this as quote-unquote modern music. <laughs> Like, why didn't you just take a stock sound effect of an orchestra warming up, like, that I'm sure exists, you know, and can just be click, clicked up with a couple clicks of a button? Yeah, like, and then we, we have him softening his president dad, like, tirade at Charlie about modern music at right. the end, being like, well, you know, it was actually quite moving. Right. And it's just this, it's it's this continual totem, especially with classical music, in every 
piece of popular culture. It's always like classical music is totemic for sophistication. And oh, absolutely. it's extremely highbrow, high yeah. for smart, yeah, for, you know, a man of higher pursuits, you know, who doesn't listen to anything as crass as modern music. Yeah, and it's just played to the hilt this time around. Yeah, like they all dress up in the opera clothes and everything. Like it's absolutely 100% played to the hilt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do get a nice little bit while they're at the opera between Sam and Mallory about her dating a hockey player. <laughs> That has, that has an actually great exchange of, like, <laughs> like you're dating Richard Andrewchuk? Yes. Well, I hope you're having a lot of sex. Well, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Well, I, I mean, what do you have to talk about with R- Richard Andrewchuk? Well, he's actually quite bright. Well, I'd hope so. He's not a good hockey player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's... It, with that, Sam was sort of set up initially about this because he's... And I can't remember what the contention is because he confronts CJ at some point and says, stop bothering me about this because Lori and I are like, we're totally in the clear. Right. And I don't understand the context in which that is coming up again. I I think it's, it's that he hasn't, him and Mallory have not interacted since the Lori story. Oh, okay. Okay. I think that's what's going on. And they know that Mallory's going to be there. And that's why he's extra sent. Yeah, okay. and, that, and they know Mallory's going to be there, and that's why he's kind of extra sensitive and fragile about the whole thing of, like, and immediately starts off with, like, having to explain himself, <laughs> with being like, yeah, okay, so there's a picture of me of a call girl. Like, you don't have a picture of you with yeah. a call girl? <laughs> it's it's pretty good, and I like Mallory. And It they, is good, yeah. yeah. And They play off each other quite so, well. And then, speaking yeah. of, well, speaking of another couple playing off each other at this opera thing, uh, or or a symphony performance. Uh, so CJ is out taking a call from Toby about the Galileo thing, I think. Yes. About one something. One of the issues. Or about the green beans thing. Who cares? But she's out taking a call, and she gets approached by a guy who she had to reject for a position uh, where she hired some other guy instead. And her and this guy that she rejected, I think his name is Tim, the character's okay. name. Uh, sure. Uh, uh they used to date CJ and Tim, uh, and so he's super salty about it because in his mind, he thinks it's a reflection on that that they didn't end up working out in the dating realm, and not that he just wasn't the right professional fit for the job, and this is where we get to see some really good Sorkin sexism at its finest, where he just, like, he's super presumptive about, like, is it, you know, you know, the reason we didn't work out isn't because you were bad and bad or anything. Like, and she's just like, excuse me? It, it, like, she reacts how any viewer should react. It's like, are, are you fucking, like, are you kidding me? Why, why would you? <laughs> why would that be your first go-to? <laughs> Seriously. And then he, like, he makes the implication that it's like, well, you know, this isn't, this, this is why I wasn't hired. Um, right is because we we didn't work out personally and she's just like that's yeah. fucking ridiculous that's re- i'm a professional like he was just the, the other guy was the better fit for the job of course etc and it's just like and i usually i like you know i like cj's character and it just always seems like she's she gets to enjoy being the sec like the sexism foil like she's the one that is right that is roped into this because she's and- the woman like and this is a very Sorkin way of dealing with it, 
where where the the way he has her defend herself is to she be, is for her to own like yeah you know what I'm great in bed yes and yes. like that's that's a fuck that's fucked a little like like uh, one thing okay great sex positivity own it CJ you go girl but on the other hand like that shouldn't be the comeback <laughs> the comeback should be you weren't the fucking right fit for the job jackass yeah and it's accepting the the premise of the framework to begin with which right it's buying into the yeah exactly which we will note is exactly the opposite of cj's job i believe in this show somewhere along the run is my wife's personal favorite line it's like don't accept the premise of the question is the key to a press secretary's job right is like is like that's that's how you spin Everything. You do not is, you see. Do, just reject the premise yeah. of shitty questions, and that's exactly what this guy is doing. And, that, and she bites on it hard, which is like, uh, right? Why? And I think, I, I think again, like this is, this is what Sorkin thinks feminism is: is being like, yeah, I am good in bed. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah. Like the things these men say like, about because he has it. He has her do it twice, not just to this guy, but then also at the end when they're reporting in on like to the president what happened in the day. She's like, and there might be a story based on the fact that I said it a little too loud about me being good in bed. And Toby looks at her like, what? And she's like, yeah, I am good in bed. <laughs> and like, it's just, uh. Uh, yeah. And again, I think my my biggest issue with it is that CJ. I mean, clearly CJ is. Far and away, my favorite character in, in of course, the show. Yeah, if that isn't hasn't been clear yeah, by now, we both it's love just, her. <laughs> and, and she keeps getting put. The writers keep putting her and using her in this regard. That's just like really, what is what is even the point? Like this, this whole plot arc is completely um, superficial and unnecessary right. to the course of the rest of the episode. Why? Right. Yeah. Why is this you even know, in here? It, and because they want to talk about CJ being good in bed, because that makes the radiant spike. Because they I said say, sex. maybe there maybe there were some focus groups going on, being like, we need more sex. It's not sexy <laughs> enough. <laughs> Why aren't these people boning down? It's you know what you're not wrong because by season six or seven, everyone does start boning down. So <laughs> at that point, they were pandering. It's the '90s. Go for it. <laughs> Uh, let's take another quick break and then we'll wrap up, uh, with our final thoughts. There were a couple of cameos that we wanted to remark on in this episode. For me, the one that stood out was, I think his name's, his name's Colm Fior. He's in everything and just has this super, super distinctive face. Everybody, if you're, God, probably under the age of 30, you're going to recognize him as, uh, Ted Brockhart from House of Cards. He was the, the general that was like the oh, bad okay. guy at some point in House of Cards. Um, I, <laughs> I I most shamefully recognize him from the Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> He's there's the no, Lord Marshal. There's no shame in that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like he um, in the movie version of Chicago, he plays Harrison. Oh, um, kind of the, the one. Of okay, the see, that's like, where I know him from. Okay, yeah, um, and it's just like he's he's in everything like yeah one of those character dozens and guys. dozens of yeah appearances as character actors um so yeah and it's cool to also, see him. yeah and then also in the uh one of the intelligence briefing scenes about the russia situation we get uh john carroll lynch uh who you might know as marge's husband from fargo uh is probably <laughs> his most prominent role but he's another one of those guys who shows up in a million and one different things over the years 
Uh, he's been sort of like he's always played like the kind of bald with sideburn with dark sideburns type right. of yeah. not quite not quite obese type the, of the type perpet- of character perpetually middle aged midwesterner yeah kind of exactly. kind of type. Yeah. I feel I feel like he looked forty two when he was twenty and he stayed that way until <laughs> just, he was like sixty seven. He got cast once and then just he was off to the races. Is that sort of a thing? Holy shit! So I looked it up. He's in an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Oh, uh, I had no idea. Yeah, everyone shows up on everything. If you're if you're <laughs> after a certain point, once you work in Hollywood, you can just kind of do whatever as long as long as you don't go too far with it. He also um, played uh, John Wayne Gacy on American Horror Story. Oh, neat. Interesting. Uh, that, but yeah. no, actually, I take it back. I'm, I'm going to go off on this guy. He played Rivington in Turn, which is the movie about uh, George Washington's spy ring during the Revolutionary oh. War, which oh. is actually a great, a great, great show. Um, if hmm. anybody hasn't seen it, it's on, I think it was an AMC show. It, it was really good. Um, and yeah, he played a publisher that helped the spiring. Anyway, it was, that's where I recognized his face from. Yeah. Uh, and then aside from that, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. Um, we co- we yeah. covered all of our bases here. Uh, like we said, that's a scattershot episode. So we did our best. <laughs> if you can't follow this particular episode, I can't blame you. Uh, the <laughs> next, the next episode is one of the more iconic ones. It is Noel. Uh, and it, it deals with Josh's PTSD uh, from the shooting that ended season one. Oh boy! So uh, I remember that episode being fairly powerful in the Josh subplot, and and well done from my recollection. But we'll we'll certainly see uh, when yeah. we dig into it uh, more next week. Well, thanks for listening as always. Um, oh, actually, you know what? I want to put in a little disclaimer here at the end. Um, <laughs> the, the resident tanky blew into our thread on something awful. What's up, Gaevich? The other day to object to how, how our, you say Russian Gaevich. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to object to how I characterized, um, the status, contested status, if you will, of the Uyghur Muslim population in China, in Xinjiang. And frankly, if I hadn't gone out of my way to be like, well, yes, the Western media and the hegemonic sphere of geopolitical, you know, analysts and power brokers in the West bangs this drum hard to denigrate the Chinese government. There, I just said it on the mic, my man, yeah. both sides, both sides. But frankly, also, genocide is bad everywhere. And yeah, just I, because, think, I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> and just because we put some people in some fucking camps... Like, yes, that is also bad. Yeah, I, I would like the death camps to stop everywhere, please. Thank you. Yes, death camps bad. So anyway, yeah, hot, that's a hot little... Hot takes here on the worst one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indulging in my inner pundit. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening, as always. Um, yes. Hopefully we'll catch you next week. If that... A comment in the thread, uh, or you can email us at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Which is nice. Which is nice. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on 